What's up, guys? Tired of your insure tech solutions coming up short? We've seen tech services that aren't industry specific, just some tech firm slapping an insurance sticker on it, but not really understanding our business. We need an agency centric solution. Technology is built by insurance pros for insurance pros to streamline our processes. A great example of that is ePay Policy. All these guys do is insurance. That's their only focus. They are a great go-to service for ACH and digital credit card payment processing that helps you bind policies faster, and they seamlessly integrate with a ton of management systems. Head on over to ePayPolicy.com, check them out, and use the promo code IGPODCAST to get your first month free. I don't know that Elon Musk is working on a self-driving insurance agency, but until he does, we've got ePay Policy. It's like being on autopilot. Flip the switch, lean back, take a nap. Let's go. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome. He is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American, rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and my friend, and God, I love him. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott, even though he's mad at you because you didn't drive down here today. I know. Guys, I want to start the podcast off in a little different manner today. Today is August the 26th, 2020. As many of you may know, tonight we're expecting in southwest Louisiana and southeast Texas a Category 4 hurricane to hit the coast. I wanted to start this podcast off today by saying this. As many of you know, I have the unpopular opinion that insurance agents are not made when they pass their insurance exam or when they build up millions of dollars worth of premium. Insurance agents are made when they have a catastrophic event happen in their area, one in which they cannot wrap their head around. It's that bad. And to me, that is the mark of when you become a real insurance agent. For myself, that happened on April 27th, 2011. I can remember standing in my my friend and client, Sean Fletcher's driveway. His house has been completely blown off the foundation. He's pointing over to a soybean field across the street where his two elderly neighbors, husband and wife, had been found the following day dead in a soybean field. I can remember Nationwide Insurance sending me to Hackleburg, Alabama, 13 miles from my hometown of Hamilton, Alabama. I called my dad. I said, Dad, Nationwide sending me to Hackleburg. The largest, one of the largest EF5 tornadoes to ever hit in the United States of America and destroyed half the town. I said, who do I need to see in Hackleburg? He said, you need to see a guy named Steve Green. He is in charge of the search and rescue. So I got there. I got out of my truck. I walked up. Steve was sitting on a on a uh, Polaris mule surrounded by federal and state authorities. And I walked up and introduced myself. I said, my name is Scott Howell, Wyatt Howell's son. I have a blank check from Nationwide Insurance. Whatever you need, you've got. And he looked at me and said, Scott, I'm going to tell you what I need. I need you to get back in that truck and I need you to drive to Florence, Alabama, and I need you to fill up as many five-gallon gas cans as you can and get them back to me as quickly as you can because we are still searching for bodies. Ladies and gentlemen, today in places like Lake Charles, Louisiana, Beaumont, Texas, and Houston, Texas, a new group of real insurance agents are about to be born. And on behalf of the Independent Agency Channel and on behalf of all the captive agents from around the United States of America, our thoughts and prayers go out to you today because we know that for the next week or two, your life is going to be horrible. It is going to be awful. But I will leave you with this. It's going to be bad. It's going to be PTSD bad, but you will be a better insurance agent for this when you come out of this. There's going to be hundreds of claims. There's going to be possibly people in your book of business that may lose their life. It doesn't get much worse than that. 
and there's people from around the country that have had catastrophic claim events happen in their agency. And in my opinion, that is the day that you become a real insurance agent when the shit gets as bad as it can possibly get. And tomorrow morning in Lake Charles, Louisiana, Beaumont, Texas, and Houston, Texas, there will be some insurance agents that deserve a purple heart for valentry and combat because for the next two weeks, it's going to be bad on a scale that they've never seen before, or at least most of them haven't seen before. And our thoughts and our prayers go out to those agents today because uh, we wish we were there with you to help fight the good fight because that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a battle. You know, on behalf of guys like Bradley Flowers and Ryan Hanley, who is on this podcast today, we love you. We're thinking about you. We know how bad this is going to be. Stay strong. You will get through this. You will get through this. So without further ado, guys, I want to go ahead and bring our podcast guest on today. I've already mentioned his name. He is a thought leader. He is an author, a vlogger, a podcaster. He's a five-tool player, and he's the founder of Rogue Risk. It is my profound honor today to introduce to you for the third time on the Insurance Guys podcast, my friend and great American, Mr. Ryan Hanley. How are you, Ryan? Well, I, I don't know how I uh, I don't know how I follow that story, though. Uh, I've never had to deal with a catastrophic claim before, but I will say that I'll be thinking about and have been tracking the storm and we'll be thinking about all our brothers and sisters in arms and the work that they're going to do for the communities that they serve. And uh, I can't say it better than you did, but I will just say that I, I think everything you said is absolutely on the mark and uh, I don't think it could be said better. So I, thank you for starting the show off that way. Every time I see a major catastrophic event happen in the U.S., I think, well, there's a new group of insurance agents being made today because when you go through that, it's a little bit like the uh, best thing way I could describe it's coming out of a Afghanistan or an Iraq after you served a tour of duty. I had PTSD. I know I did after that tornado outbreak in 2011. When you have multiple, multiple, multiple people in your book of business, I'm not even talking about claims. I'm just talking about worried about shit. Did we offer everybody in my book of business a damn life policy? Because you, hell, you don't know who's dead and who's alive. And what happens too, when you've got something coming here uh, and we deal with it, I mean, with even just tropical storms a couple times a year is your, your mind always goes at one o'clock in the morning to that one person that you're like, crap, did they pay their bill or, or whatever, you know, or did we get that payment from the more, your mind always goes there, you know, and then not to mention once you're done with everything, dealing with the carriers, having a knee jerk reaction to all the claims and tightening up. Um, Let me tell you guys what the worst part of the whole thing is. You've got your entire book of business that are filing claims in a situation like that. And every single person looks at you, Ryan Hanley, Bradley Flowers, and Scott Howell. You know what they say? I didn't buy insurance from Travelers Insurance. I bought insurance from Bradley Flowers. Yep. So that that point, I want to jump in on that point because I will say this has been one of the most transcendent things in my agency. So you asked me before we went live, how am I doing? And I said to you, I could be doing better. My agency is growing slower than I would like. There are outside circumstances and there are inside circumstances. Some of it is I've made a lot of mistakes. Some of it is I've just about every mistake that I think, I think it's part of the learning process. Um, I'm not going to beat myself up on your show about that. But the truth is, I've had some major, major changes in the way I view the agency. I launched this agency on the back of, and it's written in my business plan. It's what I sold to carriers and I meant it at the time. So this isn't like, I mean, this isn't like a bait and switch thing. This is just in six months, how far my mentality has shifted. I wrote in my business plan, I want to work closer with carriers and in particular the idea, and I think I may have even talked about this a little bit the last time I was on mashing the agency with the customer care center closer. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think in concept, that is a great idea. And where I was coming from at the time, I meant it in service of the client. What I will say though, is in practice, I feel like it's a terrible idea. And everyone who told me it's a terrible idea, you can, you can wave your finger at me and say, Ryan, I told you so. Cause I think, I think they were right. And the person who put a pin in it perfectly 
uh, was actually Mike McDonough, uh, who was just on my podcast, who I've gotten to know, the Workers' Comp Renegade. If you haven't had him on this show, you should. He's, he's the balls. He uh, said on our show, we were talking about this particular topic, and he said to me, Ryan, I never want my clients to talk to a stranger. I never want them to talk to a stranger. They should never have to deal with a stranger, at least mm-hmm. first, right? So if something happens, anything that happens, they should deal with you. They should deal with one of your people, someone they know, someone they trust. And then that person have systems, processes, partners to, to then serve them. And that person can be a stranger to them, but they're not a stranger to your agency. What you right. don't want is your client calling someone in a call center who may have the best intentions, who may be great at their job. That's not a knock on any of the customer care centers because I actually believe some of them are really top notch, but you never want them calling someone they don't know first. And and I think it speaks to what you're talking about now, which is our job is to make sure we put their lives back together. It's not to sell them insurance. And that concept gets a lot of lip service and it feels like the mental transition that takes you from transactional, always following the rabbit kind of behind the seat to the next level. And, um, you know, I'm not at the next level yet, but I feel like I feel very different about my business today than I did six months ago. And I think that shift has a lot, a lot to do with it. Well, and that's the point I've made to some folks and even Scott and I have talked about this in regards to virtual assistants. You know, I've had people ask me, either either one of two questions the people that are like either on the edge of I'm not sure about this whole VA thing or they are just against it they usually ask one of two questions is hey how do you deal with that with your customer right again to Ryan's point and basically the question is you know they're talking to somebody they don't know they're talking to somebody that's not in your office and in a lot of cases it's very it's very obvious how do you deal with that and then and for those of you that know me know I'm very customer first or, you know, you're taking a job from someone in the U.S. And my answer to both of those questions is my customers are not calling in the office for nine and a half times out of 10. They're not calling in the office to make a change or to get service in dealing with a virtual assistant. They're dealing with my people in the office. And then my people in the office are passing the work on to them. So if somebody calls in to do a mortgagee change, we're fielding the information and then they've got somebody actually doing it for them on the back end. And it's the same answer to the second question. If virtual assistants didn't exist, I wouldn't have an extra person in my office. My people in the U.S. would just be more stressed. Right. They would have to do the work, and thus we would be more efficient, and they would make less money. Right. So, but I, I agree one thousand percent. I am Ryan more pro carrier call center than I or carrier service center than I am negative or against it. But I hundred percent, you know, the reservations I have in it are in that fact that like, hey. You know, every time they call, they're going to get somebody different. And that's really not what customers yeah. want. You know, and, and here's, the, here's the other piece too. I have a client who has two package. An umbrella is with one carrier and their comp is with another carrier. And both carriers, service centers on their own, tremendous. The problem is neither one can do a certificate for the other. So if they call right. for a change in the package, they then would have to call a different carrier for the comp. So- you know, I was talking to um, one of my customer care centers that I really enjoy. I was talking to one of their people just doing an update and, you know, how's things going and how do we work better together from a customer service perspective. And I said to them, why can't you service my whole book? Like, I get that you're awesome at your policies, but why can't you service my whole book? Because until a carrier can service, and, and I get it, there's, there's all kinds of potential issues there with, well, they're looking at the data and this and that. And... I guess my point is like, I don't know how, how, how do you get past that aspect of a customer care center? And I don't want to make this all about customer care centers. I just think it's an interesting topic. I have shifted from, I'm going to go customer care center to, I'm not putting anything else with customer care centers. I'm doing everything I can to make enough revenue to put someone to, to get a service person. And then I do exactly what you've done, Bradley, which backstop the data management and the really kind of data intensive work with a VA. And then have a frontline person who answers every phone call, who takes, you know, passes sales calls to me, you know, whatever, that, that kind of relationship. But I want an American human or someone who is dedicated to my business, even if it's not necessarily, I think you could do a, a Filipino VA 
who is dedicated to your business, who you train, who answers the phone, who is essentially like they live. I think you can do that. My, my point is you need that dedicated person. They know that person's name and they know that they have your back. There's no other answer to me. And I think Mike McDonough is a hundred percent right. Your clients should never talk to strangers. Yeah. And I think in a lot of cases, I mean, with us, like I'll say this, all of my, all of my team members listen to the podcast, including my VAs with stuff like that, with the back end data stuff, nobody is as detailed as the VA. Yeah. They are on the money. You know, we recently wrote a, uh, a 97 home HAB account and the client sent me 97 individual appraisals and inspections to get my my data from that needed to go onto a spreadsheet to go to the carrier and my VA did all of it and did not miss a beat. And, and I, and obviously I went, I went behind them to make sure it was correct. Cause that's my duty. It was great. Like literally like I wouldn't have done it any better, you know, but at the same time, when you're dealing with Betty Sue, who has a complaint about her bill, they need to talk to Scott or they need to talk to Ryan or they need to talk to Kenneth or Natasha in our offices that is going to show them the empathy and take time to address their situation and handle it. And to your point, dude, if Kenneth and Madeline or whoever, if they, uh, if they know that on the back end they have a support person who's going to do all the data pushing and data entry stuff, they can take the extra two or three minutes to really give that person feedback versus take the information, rush them off the phone because now they know they need to bang that change out before the next call comes in and they're stacking up calls and now they're stressed and now you can hear it in their voice. Mm-hmm. And that to me is where uh, the, the VA, the VA really is going to play a role. And it's just funny how quickly your perspective changes. I guess that's my point is when you're really thinking about the business and you really have a vision for what you want, Carruthers always bust my chops because I use this example constantly, but I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan. I try to operate from the mentality, his kind of be like water mentality. Like I, that is like a life philosophy for me is if your goal is to help clients, the dogma, I hate dogmatic thinking. I hate, you have to have an agency management system or agency management system to the worst or the worst thing ever. You're an idiot if you're using one, right? Like these dogmatic ideas to me are what create friction in our industry versus how do I the mer the uh, the Murray group Jesus I almost said the Murray group rogue risk <laughs> you know how does rogue risk serve clients because that is not going to be the same as Portal right it's not the, you know it's not going to be the same as the Murray group right Scott it's not going to be the same as your agency it's not going to be the same as as everyone's going to be a little different and the answer is to figure out the pieces that work for your people that I think that's always the answer hey this topic of conversation has been both a hot button and a uh, contentious point for practically every captive carrier in the insurance industry because for the last five or 10 years, the carriers attached to these captive agency forces have been trying to push, send everything to our service centers. And a lot of captive agents, you know, have been like, no, I'm not going to. It takes the client one step away from me and of course, you know, the methodology there and the thing that I've always thought of is, hell, I don't care what you call in about, but it's still just, it's one more touch. It's one more touch we didn't have throughout the year if you're calling our agency. So, you know, like you said, everybody does it differently. We do all of our customer service stuff in-house with our account managers and director of first impressions. And then at night, the phone tree will send you to whichever carrier that you need to go to, whether it's a progressive nationwide travelers, whatever it is, that's just how we do it. Have you ever tried like response or any of the 24 seven call services? Have you guys ever tried those? Cause that was another thing I've heard other agents talk about it and, uh, and McDonough uses it as well. And cause, cause again, he, he, his whole thing is I don't right. want them talking to strangers. So, you know, he has a dedicated person or team of people. It's a group of people from, from this company. I, re- I actually have it on my notes right here from my conversation with him. First response or insure response, insure response. I'm reading that wrong. And you call the number at 10 o'clock at night and you get someone who picks up the phone and says, hi, this is portal insurance. Uh, how may I help you? Oh, you know, I just had my, my house on fire. Well, did you call 911? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You're, you know, then they punch right in your, into your agency management system. Hey, I see that you're with these guys. 
we're going to make the call. For, you know, you can set up the rules just like anyone else. I mean, you can also do this with VAs too, but like, I think this idea, I, I think it's re- it's a really interesting idea I hadn't thought about. And from what he says, the, the cost is terrible. I mean, I'm not there yet that I like that idea of the phone never goes. See, I hate phone trees. I hate phone trees from my time at trustedchoice.com. And, and some of you guys who are listening to this, especially the captains probably didn't listen to my podcast. And I used to bang on it all the time when I was an agency nation, phone trees, kill your business. And Scott, this is not a knock on you because you know, I love you to death. Oh no, I don't have one either. I don't have one either anymore. Yeah. I, I just, I took mine out about two years ago. So here's, here's some stats for anyone who has a phone tree. 60% of all calls that hit a phone tree never get to where they're going. 60% of all calls. So imagine some agents are probably going, Oh shit, I need to like dial mine up. Then I'll never get a phone call. I'll never be bothered. To be honest. If you're thinking about the experience, the I know the phone tree was created to help automate and hey, we can get rid of our receptionist or you know he or she can go do other things. But 60%, this is a documented number. We listen to thousands of phone calls at trustedchoice.com. This is one of the things, one of the most valuable things to come out of the entire trustedchoice.com experiment has been the work that they did around, now this is particular independent agents, but I think it extends to all captives as well this phone tree work. As soon as someone gets a phone tree, they hang up, especially this number goes up to 80% for calls that are about new business. So if someone is calling you for a quote, 80% of the time, if they hit a phone tree, they hang up and they call somebody else. Full disclosure. I'm the most patient inpatient human being on the face of this planet. When I'm trying to find something out or I'm trying to get in touch with an underwriter and I'm not sure where I need to go, I just press a damn button and get the first live person I can and say, Hey, send me to Sally. Well, then it's completely like, like you've got a pissed off customer and you didn't accomplish what you're trying to accomplish with the phone tree. Hey, Bradley, what, what do you do at night? I mean, uh, uh, Ryan said something about my, you know, our phone tree, what we do during the day, somebody live is, is answering a phone in our office during the day. We don't have a phone tree, but we do turn the phone tree on at five 30 because hell there's yeah. nobody here. So, you know, if, if they're going to call, they got to call, you know, they got to have somewhere to be able to go. What do you do at night? Do you have a phone tree at night or do you have some kind of thing like insurance response? What do you do? The reason I said 99.9% or 99.5% of the time my people aren't getting a VA on the phone is because from 5 to 8 p.m., my VA answers the phone for us. Okay. She's great on the phone. She doesn't do anything other than take the call and if it's an emergency. So I have, I have ring central on my phone so they can transfer to me 24 uh-huh. seven. If it's an emergency, she sends it over to me nine times out of 10. It's somebody requesting a quote, in which case she takes the information down and lets them know that she's going to pass it over to a licensed individual first thing in the morning. Or a lot of times it's banks, dude, we may get three phone calls between five and eight. It's nothing, but that's what we've done. And the reason I did that, was because I'm a, I'm a constant analyzer of my competition. I drove around one night, I was bored, and I went to every independent agency in Sarah Land, which there's not many, and I called them at 6 p.m. and got voicemails. Mm-hmm. Like, well, if somebody's calling around and right. they're not getting a voicemail with me, that's going to put us, hopefully, yeah. head and shoulders. So uh, the eventual plan, when we get to the point to where we are getting calls, I mean, just to be frank, I mean, all the captive companies, if you call a state farm or a farmers or an all state office after five, you're still getting somebody because yeah. it's going to that, that call center. And if you're not doing something at least close to equivalent of that, I think it's a vulnerability. So eventually we are going to go, and I've, I've heard of that service, Ryan, I actually had a buddy that, that used it, but I'll, I'll tell you something else too, that I think that can be used for. And my friend who used it did this, you know, I think one of the biggest mistakes at least from my perspective that a lot of agents make, especially in positions like Ryan and I are starting out fresh is, you know, we're kind of the top of the funnel at the beginning, right? Well, then eventually you get employees and you try to build the agency out. Well, those customers still want to come directly to you. And I know there's a lot of agents out there that are listening to this that are one man and one woman shows. And eventually you get to the point to where you just don't have the capacity to deal with the volume of traffic you're getting. And I had a friend that that happened to, and he used that same service. It took a lot off of him. So a lot of you guys and gals listening to this that are 
frustrated with the number of phone calls you're getting, do that. Sign up with something like that or get a VA. And what he did is he actually, he ran everything to his cell phone. He actually ported his cell phone over to Ring Central. So when people call, they're still calling that number, right? But that's kind of, that's what we do. I mean, obviously it's not perfect, but I feel like it's a pretty good band-aid for right now. Hey, Bradley, what do you do? What happens after eight when the, the VA is off? Does it go to your general voicemail? Yeah, it just goes to a voicemail. And then I get notified on my phone of every single voicemail we get. We don't ever get any after eight. I, on my phone tree at night, which goes, like I said, to the different carriers, option three or four is claims emergency hit four to go to Scott Howell's cell phone. Yeah. I guess probably three times in the last five years, I've gotten a call at 11, 12 o'clock at night where somebody called the office, hit four, went to my cell phone, and it, and it was a major claim, you know, emergency. I think too, man, you've got to train your customers too. Yeah. You've got to train them and you've got to tell them what you want them to do. And I think that is so important in the onboarding process. As you know, Scott, we're, we're, I'm heavy on onboarding. Yeah. And you know, day two, they get a text that's, and, and obviously everybody doesn't follow it, but if we're writing enough clients at scale, we'll start seeing traffic flow the ways that we want it to flow. You know, it's, Hey, if you need to do this, go here. If you need this, go here. If you need this, go here. And our goal is to take the focus off of the person that sold them the policy unless they want to buy something else. We want to take the focus off of, um, off of me unless they have a complaint. Right. You know, service goes here and then we try to direct everybody. So we have a dedicated number to text for service that goes directly to our service team. And then we have a dedicated email as well. And what I have is I have a, I have a guy in my office that is half service, half sales. And his job is to essentially monitor all the service activity that's going on. And if we need to make a call, he'll make the call and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of how we try to flow traffic. Does it work perfectly? No, but it, I, I truly feel it's taken some of the focus off of, off of myself and the salesperson to allow us to do our jobs. You know, you know this is one of the things that I think as a, as a young agency owner, young in, in agency owner life, not necessarily in age in general. I think setting expectations for your clients, both during the prospecting stage, during the sales process, during the onboarding stage, during the renewal stage, like taking the time. And, and I'm terrible about this, right? I'm absolutely, ter- I believe in it. I have maps. I get so busy that I never actually fully implement the ideas. Um, in some cases I have, in some cases I haven't. When you properly set expectations for someone, it's like, you're like, wow, this went really smooth. And then you think back, you do some um, self-analysis of a deal and you're like, oh, I did a really good job of setting expectations on communication, setting expectations on deliverables, setting expectations on time frame. And then in deals where you're like haphazardly throwing it together and yeah, I got you and I'll get back to you and did it. And then it ends up being a freaking mess. And you're like, why was this one a mess? And this one was so smooth. And it always comes back to, you told them exactly how it was going to work. Within one day, you're going to receive a video proposal from me. As soon as I see you've had a chance to watch a video proposal, I get notified. I'm going to call you. We'll talk about it. Like it goes so smoothly from there. But, you know, and I think that happens in every part of the business and you're always going to have the one-offs, but that idea, and, and I've really started to do this because I've been flowing a decent amount of homeowners insurance lately. I have some really good markets for homeowners insurance and, and I'm building out a process and, and that whole part of the game. I've started to develop a clear process for new homeowners clients. And I've watched my close ratio take incremental improvements as that's happened because the people know exactly what's going to come next. And I, and that's what I do. I, I grab their basic information. I said, this phone call is going to take no more than five minutes, five minutes on the phone to close that phone call. I say the next step is I'm going to rate you and I'm going to send you a video proposal. I want you to watch the video proposal because I get notified when you watch it. As soon as I see that you've watched the video proposal, I'm going to call you back. If it's late at night, I'll call you the next day and, and we'll talk about it. And that's how this process is going to work. And I'm telling you, it, they want, I see more people watching the videos. I, they pick up the phone more because they know what's coming. It just seems so remedial, but it's ultimately so important. I'll tell you another thing too with setting expectations is there's, we all know that the majority of clients don't give us 
all of the information that we need in a lot of cases, especially on commercial lines. And in situations where I have not properly set expectations, they don't give me the information I need. And thus it leads to a bad relationship. We, we wrote up or I wrote a, uh, an account last week. I was a contractor and uh, it was one of those that I was just trying to do it real fast. Like you mentioned, Ryan, I was kind of haphazardly throwing stuff together and it was a referral from a podcast listener. Actually, that's why I handled it. And the guy did not tell me that they had a job in like three days that they needed a certificate for. And had I known that, obviously I would have been pushing a look because we, we had to broker the comp. That's going to take longer, right? Well, then there was some information. There was another, you know, they were 98% a painter and 2% a framer. And I'm like, well, I, have, I need to know that. You know what I mean? So then yeah. the day that, and, and then on top of that, the person at the company they were working for that was requiring the certificate was like the worst person I've ever dealt with in my entire life on giving a certificate to like literally wanting copies of the policy. And the guy called me after we got it done. He was like, Hey man, look, I really like you and I really like doing business with you, but what can I do? Like whose fault was this? Because this was not easy. And I said, it was both your fault and my fault. Now that being said, I'm taking responsibility for it, but because I did not properly set expectations. Therefore, you did not give me the information that, that I needed that you had a job in two days. Therefore, I wouldn't have gone the route I did on the comp. I would have tried to, you know, got you pay a little bit more and we go direct to somebody that, you know what I mean? And I wasn't that blunt about it with him, but um, we ended up having a great conversation. I'm like, well, damn it, Bradley, if you'd have just done that from the beginning, this all would have worked out fine. And then I texted Scott and said, I'm never writing a contractor again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I'll tell you something, guys. When I see insurance policies get screwed up in our agency, nine times out of 10, it goes back to the person, the prospect, not either wanting to take the time to talk about what coverages they need and the things that need to be on the policy. That the, These people that from a prospect standpoint, are just so busy that they're like, hey, I just need an insurance policy. Just get me anything. And I don't care if it's personal lines or commercial. When they start that, we try to hurry up and get them a policy, yeah. get them what they want. And then the next thing you know, a year later, they have a claim and they go, well, hell, Scott, why, why wasn't that automobile on the policy? Well, hell, because you, you wouldn't talk to me and you told me you needed an insurance policy in 15 minutes. And we're just trying to get the damn thing done for you. And you didn't bother even taking the time to look at the policy to see what was on there. Mm -hmm. And you try to <sighs> have a conversation with them and say, hey, I just need to go over all this with you. Scott, I don't have time. I don't have time. I'm busy. I, I got 15 things going on. I just need an insurance policy. Every and you're trying not time. to be a pain in the ass. That's the thing is you're trying not. And, and this is the, I think there's like a million of these stories. Probably everyone listening has this story. This happened to me yesterday with a builder's risk referred to me by someone. I call the guy, Hey, I got this second house I'm building. I go, well, the easiest way to do this is second home under construction. So send me your home and auto. I'll rate you up. I'll add, you know, we'll get it all taken care of. No problem. I don't want to send you my home and auto. I need it today. It's going to take too long. And in my mind, I'm going, I just need to tell this guy to pound stand and move on. Right. But because it was referred from someone I know, I said, okay, it's going to be more expensive if we go builder's risk and I'm going to have to go access lines for the liability in New York. And you're going to have to track all your contractors liability policies because you're not going to have whatever that stupid frigging laws in New York state where the liability doesn't extend to the subcontractors. Right. And I said, so this is like a going to be a pain in the ass if we do it this way. And he's like, I just need it today. You know, can't you just help me? Da, da, da. And I was like, oh, okay. Of course, he doesn't tell me that the building is actually already half built. So no one in the standard market is going to take it. Right. And I just, I just emailed him back and I'm like, dude, you need to call your agent who didn't handle this the right way the first time and just deal with them. Mm -hmm. Because unless you're willing to play by my rules, I, I can't help you here. But that was an hour of time wasted because I didn't just say to him up front, if you don't send me your home in auto and let me write this the right way, which is a second home under construction, then I don't want to help. I can't help you. Yeah, like that's what I should have said. I should have just played the hard line and said, I'd love to help you. Here's how I help you. And if you're unwilling to play this way, then, you know, I'm sorry, but you have another agent who could help you with this. Like, there's a reason you're talking to me. Right. And, um, 
I didn't do that and wasted an hour. I go by WWDCD. What would David Carruthers do? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Hey, Jesse, Jesse Pirelli, hey, Jesse Pirelli's the same damn way. You Perini, walk, yeah. He walks in your office and you don't have the three or four things prepared for him that he asked you to prepare before he got there. He will flat, turn around, shake your hand, walk out and leave. Well, and, and Ryan, you're at the point where I was at a year ago and I'm still in, am in now, just I'm slowly coming out of it. Like your new agency, like it's revenue, right? You yeah. know, a year ago today, we were writing whatever stuck up to the wall, basically, you know, and we've slowly started defining who our customer is. And I'm not, we don't, we don't ever tell anybody, you know, no, go away, but we may hopefully no prospects listen to this, but we may not spend as much time trying to sell someone who we know is not our model client, right? Like, Hey, here it is. Or, you know, I don't know how New York works with policy fees, but here in Alabama, especially on excess and surplus, you can charge policy fees. So, you know, we, we try to make it worth our time. And what we found like is most of the bad customer experiences that happen in portal. And there's not many of them. There are some, but obviously we have more good customer experiences than we do bad, but the few that we have per month, every single month, it's a result of either a, like us talking about not setting expectations properly, but that's really like a sub reason of the main reason in that they're not our target client. Right. And what we found is we found a few triggers in the beginning that kind of tell us how this relationship's going to go. And honestly, one of those big ones is email. If they, if they're not active, if they don't use their email, or have an email, we run into some of that, it, our relationship is not going to work. We had a guy recently had a terrible experience. We needed to get him to sign something. He's like, he's in Louisiana. He doesn't, literally does not have an email, like has to drive over here from Louisiana. He's all pissed off and he's mad at, like fighting mad at me. And I didn't, I mean, obviously I didn't say anything and we got it taken care of. We appeased him, but I had to talk to my team. I'm like, that whole situation would have been avoided had he had an email, we've been handling three seconds and he would not even remember that he had to do that a right. week from now. But guess what? Guess when we wrote him? We wrote him April of 2019 when Bradley needed some revenue and he was a $3,000 non-standard auto. Yeah. The good news is in like three or four years, you guys will catch up to 2021 and everyone will have an email. You're just, you know, being in the Alabama, South, you're man. always like three to five years behind. So it's, it's really not your fault couple years you know it, so what's funny too is tvs are in color now right like <laughs> it's wild like uh, everything is in color you never even believe it don't believe hey, we're fir- hey dude we're first in football last and everything else so <laughs> hey, bottom bottom line to the two hundred fifty thousand insurance agents listening around the world let scott peel away the onion for you if a son bitch is not willing to have an adult conversation and go over their insurance and tell you what they need and they don't need and, it, and they pull the old, I'm in a hurry, I just need insurance, get ready because it's going to end badly. And it may not end badly to start with. It may They may sign the DocuSign form and they may, you know, take out the policy. But here it comes, here in about a year when they have a, hey, uh, I just had a wreck and I need a, a rental car. Well, you don't have rental car coverage. Well, I needed rental car coverage. Well, maybe if you could have spent five freaking minutes with me on the phone, to discuss whether you needed rental car coverage or not, maybe you'd have it on your policy. Hey guys, it's Bradley with the Insurance Guys podcast here. I know I'm interrupting your podcast listening experience right now, but I have a very important message for you. No singular individual has done more for the Insurance Guys podcast than the man himself, Mr. Chris Paradiso. And as you may or may not know, uh, Chris releases a magazine once a year called Be The Last Agent Standing that is a phenomenal resource for the industry. Guys, you do not, I repeat, you do not want to miss this year's issue. It features some fantastic articles from people like Ryan Hanley, Bob McCool, and even myself. And if you want to get your hands on a copy before they're all gone, text the word magazine to 251-237-9383. That's 251-237-9383. We will send you the link to purchase your magazine. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Hey, Ryan, do you have anything set up at Renewal that's like a CYA for you, like a renewal form or something like that that's automated? So I, I, so I haven't had a renewal yet, so I don't have to, I haven't done that yet. That's but I will asking. say, 
what I have, what I have set up is um, two checklists, one checklist for commercial lines and one checklist for personal lines. Mm -hmm. So the checklist for commercial lines is all the potential covered, this, the, the standard potential coverages that someone could have EPLI, DNO, professional, you know, all the standard Cyber. stuff all the way down in some of that. So in, and literally it's, I've started having this as part of my e-sign. So offered yes or no accepted yes or no. And at the bottom, I just have a simple signature and date and it goes out with the e-sign docs, just like the disclose, like in New York, we have to have a compensation disclosure form. And there's a couple other forms we have to add. It goes right in there so that I can say, you can't tell me that I didn't offer you EPLI because I talk to, if you have an employee, I talk to you about EPLI. I always do. And what I've started doing is slipping it into packages, just a small amount, just, just to get it in. You know what me I mean? Too. Just a me too. 50 to a hundred thousand. You know, it's like playing just the tip. You know what I mean? Like, just I just want to start the conversation, especially with um, a bop. It's so cheap. To, I mean, yes, yes, it's like an extra fifty bucks. And and what I tell to him is, I know you told me you didn't want EPLI. This is fifty thousand dollars worth of coverage for fifty dollars a year. Just take it. And 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 I don't think it's enough. I'm telling you that. Yeah. But I want you to have it on your policy so that you at least have something. And um, and then. You know, so I'm, I'm trying to just indoctrinate them to that. So that's checklist for commercial. And I do the same thing for personal. And actually, I was working on this with my wife because um, they have like 4,000 personalized clients. So we were talking about how to increase revenue for her agency because, you know, I'm still the de facto marketing consultant for them. And the merger basically funds my lifestyle while Rogue Risk is broke as hell. So, uh, so I need them to be, I need them to be in business. But so I said to her, have you started offering small endorsements to your clients, like service line coverage, right? Service line coverage is a big deal. I've actually had two uncovered service line claims myself. My, I've, I've come home in the last 10 years, twice to the front yard of my home as a geyser because the water line busted, right? right? Cause everything in Albany was built in 1850. Right. So all these old ass service lines, they collapse and you get a geyser in your front. I've had it happen twice. So I said, it's a $35 endorsement for most companies. Just send out an email, sim breaking down the coverage and saying, hey, for 30, for basically 35 bucks, maybe it's a little more, maybe it's a little less. We can add this to your policy. We just want to offer it. And then send them a declination, like say your response to this as a no is basically a declination that we're going to put in your record. Mm -hmm. And um, I said, and do the same so thing, easy to do. right? And then you, boom, you're going to get, 20 to 30% response. If half of those say yes, you just made $3,000, $6,000, an extra premium, and you're doing a better job. You do that once a month with, you can do it with um, extra coverage A, uh, B, C, D, right? That every company's got that extra endorsement. Water backup, if they don't have water backup, right? There's, there's a whole bunch of coverages, personal injury, is another one. A lot of people don't include personal injury, except in a social media world. I tell everybody, if you have a social media account, you need personal injury on your homeowners or renters insurance policy because you say one stupid thing that offends somebody online, they can file a libel or a defamation or or whatever kind of suit against you. And that your homeowners isn't going to pick that up unless you've added the personal injury extension. The personal injury extension is $22. So it's no big deal to the client you've done a service for them and maybe you've had a little additional premium and you've built the walls up higher around your clients. So, you know, these kind of checklists, these kind of things, you can do the same thing with EPLI. Every customer you have do this today because whoever writes your EPLI is going to love you for it. Take your customer base, everyone who doesn't have it today, send it to your favorite EPLI carrier, have them rate up every single client, send them back to you. Then every day, send a couple of these out, send their quote, and a declination, and you tell them, I need you to sign one of these. Right. You either need to sign the declination, tell me you don't want it, or I need you to sign the coverage telling me you want the policy. And that's it. Even, again, if 30 to 45% of the people respond and half of those actually take it, you just add it. You probably just add your best month of the year right there. Yeah. So I think it's simple things like that that really take our businesses to the next level. And... um you know, obviously I'm not doing all of it today because I haven't had renewals and, you know, I, I only have about 60 clients or so just now, but these are the kind of things that I think are super easy to implement 
they add additional revenue, they build fences around your clients, and they show that you care. Hey, Bradley, being on the coast, do you send everybody a uh, flood declination page if they decline not having flood insurance being down there? So there, believe it or not, there's where I'm at, there's not a whole lot of flood zones. Right. Now, what we do is this portal has a, uh, we have a quote, a quote sheet that we send every homeowner quote through. Mm-hmm. It's branded with our agency. It's done through uh, Gravity Forms to Gravity PDF. And uh, at the bottom, it's got a spot for flood insurance. Pretty much we quote flood insurance with every single account. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My pitch to my team, because they were kind of annoyed when I, when I implemented it, very similar to what Ryan was saying. I was like, look, guys, if we're, if we're writing $100,000 in premium a month in homeowner's premium and we add to 30% of those a $350 flood policy, we've incre- you know, you've increased your production without having to generate an extra client. Right. We don't do a flood declination right now um, just because we're working on so many different systems and, and it's just it's kind of hard to get everything working together. What we are doing, though, similar to what Ryan talked about, is every renewal we send a uh, a renewal checklist, and it's automated to go out. And then my VA actually texts from our Ring Central account and says, "Hey, you know, I just sent you, or this is Jessa with the service team. I just sent you your renewal checklist to go through, mm-hmm. our renewal questionnaire." And it's again, it's a gravity form, and it's it's like the biggest CYA you've ever seen. And flood is on there. Do you, do you want flood? And it, you know, basically it's got conditional logic built in. What kind of policy do you have? And then it filters to questions. And then at the end, it's got a life insurance, you know, Hey, your house is worth this. Would you want a life insurance policy to cover that? Yes, no. Calendly link, that sort of thing. Um, that way, if we have that person that we, that doesn't have water backup and we damn sure offered it to them when we sold the policy and we offered it to them every year renewal questionnaire, then they have that issue. Well, you ignored the last three renewal questionnaires. Right. You know what I mean? So we've got the flood declination on there. Hey, Ryan, I wanted to ask you a question. I know we're getting ready to get off this podcast in just a minute. And maybe this is just me. I don't know. I wanted to get your opinion on this. I have seen an increase uh, recently in the past three or four months in a lot more of these InsurTech home and auto companies that that are really stepping out there and marketing, branding, running commercials. Have you noticed that as well? More so than in the past? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're real competitors. Yeah. They're real competitors. They're, some of them are competitors and, and partners at the same time. Right. And I, actually I, I set up, I haven't announced this yet, but uh, cause we haven't set a date, but I'm having John Swiger, the CEO of pie insurance on the podcast. Okay. Cause I write pie. I write some workers comp through pie through a wholesaler. Right. One, I want that son of a bitch to open up the retail because they have a really good product. I think it's a silly name, but it's a great product. And right. I've, I have two or three customers that have dealt with their people directly and come back with great experiences. So they really enjoyed working with them and uh, they have some great rates. A surprisingly antiquated quoting process through wholesalers despite their digital presence, but they're a good company. Yeah. Now they do compete directly as well. And I think this mentality of because they de- compete directly, they're not a true partner. Mm-hmm. I think for an insure tech, I-, I think we have to get past that as an industry. Yeah. Lemonade. I could go all day about lemonade. I think they're such a joke. I mean, it, good for them. They came in, they built a brand, they built a user base and the founders made a shit ton of money actually helping customers actually giving money to charity. I mean, I think it was, I think a lot of people were bought into nonsense, but they've had to come back to independent agents to start to, to increase their distribution. Right. Right. So, so, but they also go direct and I know agents that write lemonade renters insurance. Mm -hmm. So I think this idea of, you know, them going direct and being a partner, I think we have to get past that because I think that's really going to become more of the future. There's always going to be the independent agent only carrier, 100%. But I also think, you know, Progressive has been around forever. They're like the the OG, right. you know, direct and partner. Travelers has tried a lot of times to do both. I think that's a big part of it. I think the other side of it is digital marketing works. I know that we all, I work loan officers too. I work referral partners. I like to be part of the community, but digital marketing works too. You can build relationships with people and think about all the things that Bradley described. 
The only thing that was different from Bradley from most independent from most insure techs is that they're probably going to get the same people when they call, right? right? It's just a smaller team, but everything he's talking about with logic-based forms and Calendly links. And, and my point in saying that is we can set our agencies up to be highly efficient, easy to work with, competitively priced, and provide incredible human caring service at the same time. And I think that some of these insure techs are starting to realize that and push into the space. And we just have to be prepared for it. It just, it's not, there's nothing we can do to stop it. So bitching about it doesn't matter. I think you have to embrace it, figure out who you want to be and to everything we've talked about, set your expectations and deliver on them and you're going to do just fine. Well, and I think too, that agents need to look, obviously I don't want a carrier going direct to consumer and cutting me out, right? Or competing. I don't want to, it's not ideal for me or Ryan or Scott or any of the other independent agents out there or the captive agents for that matter, having to compete with their own carriers. Okay. But I think, and I have a little bit of a different view on this much, much like Ryan does. I think that agents need to look at carriers going direct the same way that carriers and carrier reps treat us having other carriers. Right. Yeah, I know that I work for Travelers and I want Portal to put all their business with Travelers, but I know they're going to put some with Progressive. And we just work with that. We deal with it, right? And I think, and Ryan has, has mentioned this before, this is actually where I first heard this and I thought, damn, that makes a lot of sense, is that one of the hardest things that I deal with as an independent agent is selling this carrier to my client because my client has never heard of that carrier and they think that they're only good insurance carriers out there are the ones that advertise on TV and do Super Bowl commercials. Some of my biggest carriers I wish would go direct to consumer a little bit mm -hmm. because it would help brand the carrier but make it easier for me to sell them. Right. And, the second and I think, sale. And I hate and I get like whatever whatever floats your boat, whatever's good, right? But I absolutely cannot stand like somebody posted in I think Insurance Soup the other day and said, Do you guys know a, a, a commercial carrier that'll allow me to to run Facebook ads and go direct to consumer? But, but have me get the commission. And there's always a bunch of people that jump on a post like that. Not in this agency. I absolutely cannot stand. If, if you, especially in a COVID age, if you are embracing the la, 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 la mentality, you are going to lose. You cannot sit here and tell me that you cannot learn something from Lemonade. Right. That you cannot learn something from Progressive. If you're just taking a blind eye to what's going on, it's going to hit you like a freight train eventually. Yeah. I think we need to look at a lemonade. We need to look at a progressive. We need to look at a Geico, right? We can disagree with how Geico does business all day long. We can disagree with how lemonade does business all day long, but the market, and, and we can say that's not our target client. Some of those people are your target client, mm -hmm. right? That does not mean we cannot learn from something. The market is responding. The, the, our consume, the consumers are responding to what they are doing, right? And the other thing that I hate is when people say, oh, well, they don't pay claims. These insure techs. And yes, there have been a lot of issues with insure techs and claims and customer service. And, you know, they're like the lady at the hair salon that think, you know, you think she's got all her shit together but everything on the back end is terrible and her kids hate her. There's a lot of insured techs that are like that. Everything's great on the front end. Everything on the back end is terrible, right? But eventually, and I was on the phone, I talked to the CEO of an insured tech yesterday, and we had this exact same conversation. It's everybody, oh, these insured techs fly by night. They don't pay claims. They don't do this. They don't do that. That's what the agents are saying. But eventually, one of these son of a guns is going to get something right, and they're going to become the next travelers, yeah. or they're going to become the next auto owners. They're going to become the next nationwide. So yeah. I don't, I think, I don't, I don't know that we necessarily need to embrace it, but we need to embrace the fact that it's not going anywhere and we need to work with them. We need to be willing to work with them. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. The other thing too, is we have to look in the mirror and be, have some self-awareness and like your boy, Gary V talked, this was a big thing for him a couple of years ago, right? Like if you are bitching about Geico, you're losing. Like you're doing something wrong. Like understand that you are losing. If you're on IOA or insurance soup or whatever freaking Facebook group bitching about something Geico did, you're losing. Just it, you're losing. Someone else is moving past you and that's the reality. Figure out who you want to work with. Figure out the carriers that serve that market and go serve them. That's not an easy thing to do, but it's what you have to do. 
And if, if you're going to bitch about Geico because they run ads all the time and they don't pay claims, it's not that they don't pay claims. They pay claims by the letter of the law. So it's, it's important to be accurate in how you describe what they actually do. Because essentially, you are creating, I, I don't know if that's libel or slander by saying they don't pay claims because it's wholly inaccurate. Mm-hmm. What, what a lot of these insure tech companies do because they don't have, they don't have the experience set and they don't have highly skilled adjusters. They're using third-party adjusters. They're not using in-house adjusters that have been with them for 20 years. They're using third parties who are literally just looking at a sheet and going, based on this policy form, this is not covered. Sorry, have a nice day, mm-hmm. right? Versus you know, someone else who's been with a company for 20 years who goes, yeah, technically, you know, this is a gray area, but our philosophy is we want to take care of you. And here, that's, that's what we're actually talking about is, do they go by the letter of the law or do they look for ways to take care of you? And by just spouting off that they don't pay claims, you're, you're taking like a lowest common denominator way of describing what they're doing because it actually doesn't make you look good because there's no insured in the world that believes they just don't pay claims. And there's no, no insurance company in the world that. that doesn't pay cl- like it. Yeah, exactly. They not pay them how you think they should be paid. Yes. Yeah, but, and to your point, like there's some agent listeners saying, well, they use third party, everything you just said, but guess what? Eventually that's not going to be the case. Yep. Eventually, again, somebody's going to come around and get it right. And the people who are not ready for that are going to be blindsided. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree. Ryan Hanley. We love you. Oh, it's been a pleasure, man. I always love coming on the show and uh second, third time guest. Yep. Hey anything you need, holler at me. Yeah, no doubt. I uh just want to say thank you to you guys. Both of you have been on my show and it's it's tremendous. And I, I love that uh I love that just our ecosystem is becoming more every day, more and more of a sharing culture, right? I think you know, you think about, and, and Scott, we talked a little bit about this and on our show 15 years ago, when I first got in the business, you did not share the way that we share today. You just didn't. That is the onus behind this podcast. Yeah. And, and I think it's a beautiful thing. We've done more as an industry in the last five years to help amplify everybody than we had in the previous 50 because of these conversations, because of podcasting and people sharing and being so open and, uh, you guys are such an incredible part of that. It's um, I always love being on the the second most popular podcast in the insurance industry. I understand. <laughs> hey, by the way, I just, hey, I just love that we're friends. Hey, Ryan, like Ryan, I'm glad you said that. Hey, tell everybody how they can tell tell everybody where they can go to find you and get because uh, you have an incredible podcast. I talk about yeah. it all the time, but mine is not the most listened to I podcast though. That. I'm coming for you guys. Don't get me wrong. I was sleeping for a little while right. and then you guys started talking shit and you woke the bear up. So now I'm coming <laughs> after you, but I, I, I mean that in good fun for everyone listening. Absolutely. But uh, if you go to ryanhanley.com, you'll see, you'll find all this stuff The yeah. find out how to subscribe and you'll see past episodes and that's the best place. And if you want to check out my insurance agency and, make my little Google analytics go up. So I get a nice little dopamine ego hit, even though none of you will ever buy from me. It's roguerisk.com. Man, that's fantastic. Guys, as I always say, rewards come from action, not discussion. Hope you guys will keep these folks down in Lake Charles, Beaumont, Houston, Texas, in your thoughts and prayers. Cause we got a lot of insurance agents out there that are about to strap it on and go to freaking work in the next couple of weeks and yeah. uh, wish them nothing but the best. And, uh, like I always tell all of you, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk. Get on the phone. Go build relationships. Nothing matters until a sale is made. You can talk. You can do all the shit you want to do, but you better be selling insurance. Because as I've been telling folks for 12 years, if you'll sell the shit out of insurance, everything else will take care of itself. And that's the truth. Go make money for your wife, for your husband. Go make money for your kid's college fund and to help your parents out there that are struggling. Go make money for them. Go figure out what your why is in the insurance business and then throttle down and make it happen. And go write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Ryan, I love you too. If you need me. I love you too, guys. Thank you. Phone call away, brother. 
Go Raiders. Hey, guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.